I'm Luke. And I'm Courtney. And this is Our, Our Story, Story, His Glory, Glory podcast. podcast. So welcome back, guys. <laughs> We've really been enjoying doing these. Um, I just want to thank y'all all for all the support. We are currently trying out a little bit new of a setup, trying out some different microphones and trying to give you guys the best quality that we can, but we're learning, so y'all bear with us. Um, we are getting into a little bit more today about Luke and kind of um, something big that happened um, in his life before he met me. Um, yeah, so just wanted to thank you guys for all the support and for listening in. Um, we're going to try and get these out on Tuesdays. Um, nothing is like set, so some weeks that might not happen, but that's the goal. So, um, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I guess we'll just get into it. So, last you heard, we were kind of talking about, like, you coming into, like, kind of a group of friends that y'all were kind of not the best influences on each other. Yeah. And, um, so why don't you kind of go into a little bit of that time frame? Uh, we were, when, when things started taking a turn from being an innocent kid in school to starting to find myself and other avenues, I was 12 and we were skateboarding. It was early, early 2000s and that's just, was a common thing. A bunch of kids around the neighborhood would skateboard and. We would go to the skate park. Go to skate park and. I mean, kids still do that, but. The scooters. Yeah, that's true. The scooters are a thing. But um. I was. It was me and one of my friends. We, definitely, were still trying to be, goody two shoes. But his older brother was hanging out with older people and he got into stuff way before us. He was like three or four years older than us. So he was going through a different era of his life that we shouldn't have been going through. And that's another reason too is don't hang out with people older okay. than you most of the time. Yeah. And we, I told y'all about him coming in smelling like cigarettes and we just we caught on to it and then eventually a few weeks later we just made a pact together that we would try it together and just not tell no one but we tried it and I liked it and we just kept on dabbling with that and uh that's what we did with smoking cigarettes and skateboarding and causing trouble and we was we was influenced by a tv show also it was just reckless reckless like dumb the, stunts yeah. but we love doing stupid stunts hitting each other with christmas trees um <laughs> jumping off of bridges we put each other in a shopping cart and push each other off into a parking lot french the, we call them french fries the parking thing to stop you from rolling too far adrenaline junkies type of stuff yeah <laughs> and uh that's what we was doing it was smoking skating then when trouble really started was with alcohol mm -hmm. was the first time i ever got drunk and how old were you do you know 12 
same oh same year. Yeah. That's well, crazy. me and my friend had this wonderful idea. Their grandparents had some old alcohol that they didn't even remember they had. And I was the friend, and I wore a big old puffy jacket. And we hatched a plan to go <laughs> steal a bottle of hard liquor. And they wouldn't question me because I was a friend with a puffy jacket. I grabbed a bottle of dry gin. We didn't know what we was grabbing. We just, he said, just grab something. Oh so I grabbed it and I put it in the jacket. And I was nervous. And we rode all the way back to his house and we drank it with grape juice. Gin and grape juice is the worst combination <laughs> ever. But managed to get it down. And I, once I felt that buzz, I was like, I want to try everything. Like I awakened like, something. Yeah, it awakened the uh, addiction. I didn't know that's what it was doing, but immediately I wanted to try the next thing, wow. which was pot. That's crazy that it impacted you one moment, one decision in such a way. Oh, it was immediate. Yeah, that is so crazy. And two, I'm thinking about 12. I'm pretty sure I was in sixth grade. Oh, no, we were way... Like, that is mind-boggling. No, we were, like, in the back of our school was split line, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, or just 7th and 8th, and then there was 5th and 6th graders side. And we were still on the little side, and we were the only ones doing these things. Everybody else was talking about football and tennis and stuff well and i had older sisters so it's not that i wasn't aware of these things i just wasn't interested so it you know it's kind of crazy hearing that but i guess what you said earlier about hanging with an older crowd yeah they're into different things well if they get into different things it's going to be older things yeah like we were 12 and he was 15 16 and it just all meshed but once that happened that was start of the downfall. Alcohol is a hundred percent a gateway to yeah. a lot of stuff. Well, I think it's because it kind of takes your guard down, loosens you up, so you're more, which is so terrible, but you're more susceptible to make other life-changing poor decisions. I think when you're drinking, a hundred percent, and it's because super acceptable, and it's on commercials and everybody's yeah, mom and dad. Yeah, socially acceptable. Yeah. Everybody wine. It's terrible. Everybody thinks wine is a relaxing after work thing, like it's grape juice. And it's crazy. Like um, I'm wondering, you know, you remember some, and you know the path that your parents had gone down, which we had previously spoken about in our first episode. Um, did that dawn on you? I knew at better. All? I knew to myself. I told myself I wasn't never gonna try the stuff that they were on, mm-hmm. and that was mentally like I was not gonna do that. That wasn't. I was not gonna do that. But you know, that's what we do. I think with sin in general is we say, "Oh, that's my line, and I won't cross that." But the reality is, especially with addiction. Once you open that door, you don't get to decide how far it takes you. Well, time goes on, and a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more ends up being you doing exactly what you said you were not going to do in the first place. Yeah, every time. And that's what happened in my case. 
Uh, but that so was, I mean, did you did it register to you though? Like, my parents are recovered, but yeah. addicts. Mm-hmm. And it just I just didn't made scare a little note that I wasn't gonna see because, do that. and the reason I'm asking is because for me, at that specific time era, I had someone close to me that it greatly impacted my life. Their addiction, um, I was like repulsed by the thought of going that route did you know that addiction and and drugs would run rabid um i think so because my mom was always very open and honest with us about struggles from when she was young and um other people in my life i saw what it did to them and I think that was kind of around the age where I began to realize, oh, this person is not around probably because of X, Y, Z. Like, I think I was starting, that, around that age, I was starting to realize, um, I guess, where addiction played a part in certain things in my life with people around me. And that would be the difference between you taking your choices and choosing not to because of and me doing what I did. I did not really pay attention to the addiction side. It never hit me right in front of the face to realize that drug addiction or alcoholism is causing these problems in my parents' lives. I I didn't really pay attention to that and it didn't hit me. I knew that they had an addiction at the end and that was that one thing was super bad but nobody explained addiction to me and you don't choose addiction addiction chooses you and i didn't have that on my foremind i just knew i wasn't going to touch that bad stuff right but i guess like what you didn't consider like what you're saying you didn't consider I might have that attic gene in me, and when I open this door, I'm opening something big. Nobody, I mean, I'm a, you're a kid, why would someone yeah. tell you about that? But it should be more common that it's explained addiction is, define addiction and how it comes about and what it does. Um. So what I'm getting at is, it's interesting to me to see two people who witness people they care about um deal with addiction kind of have two different outlooks on it I guess and then like I also remember a friend of mine saying um a parent of hers was an addict and um we were just talking one night and she said it piqued an interest because she had the thoughts of um if what they're doing is so good that they would leave their kids, then I want to see what that's about. So it's just interesting to me. I say all that to say um, it's interesting to see as a child how our minds, yeah, how our minds kind of try to make sense of all of that and go different routes. But, yeah, I was repulsed by all of it. Like, I I just always remember. I remember even... Family members that would casually drink, it would upset me because I just didn't even want them to drink because, and they weren't, you know, alcoholics or anything like that. I just remember having those feelings of, like, this is 
wrong and dangerous. You know what I mean? It's not like a personality thing. Yeah, it so makes it, sense. it kind of um, put, you know, a fear of trying anything there. Now, as we'll get into in another episode, that kind of <laughs> all fell down in the later on in my life. But at this particular point, I remember feeling really strongly that, like, I had to avoid all of that, that I wasn't going to turn out that way. I was going to do better. I should have. I should have knew better, but I didn't even think about it. Just one step at a time. I mean, you're 12. (laughs) Are you thinking about much, you know? That's so young to be getting into um, things. So Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. Anyway, the drinking that uh, that at 12 years old drinking that started curiosity towards any anything I, I wanted to try anything next I like the way alcohol felt what does anything else feel like and from there on it started at a young age just it wasn't long after that it was other stuff and eventually I was about probably 14, 15. I had a, a good amount of things I've tried pretty and got pretty experienced. I grew up fast. Partied a lot. Partied. By the time I was 15, I was full-blown party scene. Like, hanging out with... 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like, I was... I was going toilet paper with the seniors. Like, I was just... I was three years in advance. I I was exactly 14 when I was at a climax point in my addiction. I was doing anything and everything I could grab. I would try anything. I was... Reckless. I was habitually smoking daily. I had a nicotine addiction. Just on a fast track, nowhere. Gonna burn out quick. I was... I was definitely headed 100 miles an hour in one direction. And then one night, I tried to sleep out at a friend's house. It was across the highway. Speed limit was 60 miles an hour. And I had I asked my parents to sleep out. They said no, which they never let, but I figured I would try anyway. <laughs> they knew what I was up to. And uh, before I agreed to stay there late, I had my friend's dad tell me he was going to bring me home when that time came because I was on a bicycle and I had to cross the highway and my parents didn't want me crossing the highway after dark. So they thought your friend's dad was driving you? Yeah, which he was was supposed supposed to. to, But he ended up drinking some beers and he didn't want to get behind the wheel. So I ended up leaving and I was dead sober uh, for the first day... Earlier that day, I think I drank a little bit, but I was dead sober at 10 o'clock at night. I had took about 80 milligrams of some speed, and I was dead sober, and I left. I I took it, and I hopped on my bike, and I had a 10-minute ride home. So I started riding, and I was texting on the phone, and then I closed my phone, and I was riding on the side of the highway, dead sober. And I don't know what happened. I just, I got, I don't know if I got lightheaded or what. Something happened. And next thing you know, I see headlights. And I kicked the bike pedal. 
and just reacted reflexes and jumped. And a truck hit me at 60, 65 miles an hour. It knocked me no less than 20, 30 feet. Knocked me out my shoes. Um, somehow, some way, I didn't break a bone. And I don't know how in the world I didn't die. But after it hit me, I got up. The guy who hit me said I got up and walked towards him and covered in blood and just trying to get him to go away. I remember hearing a blood screeching high-pitched noise like on a video game when a bomb goes off. It's just a loud screech. And I just, I was already in the party scene getting in trouble and worried about cops. So I just thought I was in trouble with the cops and I was trying to get him to go. And I was trying to go home. And then I passed out. And then I woke up and the cops were there asking me questions. I told them somehow I coherently told them my mom's name, where they lived, their number, everything. And then I passed out again. And then I woke up in an ambulance. Um, and they were pumping me with morphine. They, they didn't know I took 80 milligrams of speed. And... Uh, so now I'm on morphine and then when I get to the hospital, the speed kicks in and I'm wide awake and rolling on morphine and I'm just having a great time because I don't feel nothing. I'm cutting oh up. I just got hit by a truck and the, the nurses and everybody's freaking out because my heart rate is way past what it needs to be and they're just trying to figure out what it is and I just thought I'd get in trouble if I told them what I did so I just didn't tell them. Not realizing this, like, Severity. yeah, I didn't realize how serious it was. And I eventually, my friend that I was at before I left, he took the same amount and he heard that I got hit. My parents must have called somebody or one of my other friends must have called and told him I got hit. And he's like, oh, he was just with me. What do you mean? So he got to the hospital and he told my mom what we what did. And that's the only reason how the hospital found out that I was on speed. So and they were that. able to regulate you. So they were able to regulate my heart rate once they realized what was going on. And then after that, I don't remember a whole lot. I remember waking up in ICU and I had a catheter and, that, and I was just in tons of pain. And um, your spleen ruptured. You had to have it removed. Yeah, as far as damages go... Um, I had braces on. It didn't. I didn't break a bracket. I didn't break a bone. I had a lot of road road rash. A lot of, a lot all over my face, yeah. my arms, my back. I had a pebble stuck. It, it, you it, literally still have so many scars all over your arms from the road rash. I like scars though. They okay. They tell the story. <laughs> and well, I'm not surprised by that. I like them. I'm covered in them. I got you are covered in them. In them. And, um, I luckily didn't have a whole lot of injuries other than the major one was, uh, ended up rupturing my spleen. So they took my spleen out and I think I might've shattered, uh, one of my wings on my spine at the lower vertebrae. Spurs or something. Something. But all these years later now, I don't really, I don't have any detrimental pain or inflicting problems i got like sore lower back sometimes but not always well then um after icu i don't remember a whole lot 
uh, I, what I do start to remember is when I got taken out of ICU, uh, I woke up and I had to learn how to walk again. Um, I could stand up, but it hurt so bad to walk. Like I just felt like I was mm-hmm. breaking my hip in half and replacing it over and over, taking each step. Jeez. I learned how to do that, and then um, breathing treatment, like they would make me have to blow in this tube to push this ball up to a certain amount. Um, I couldn't use the bathroom by myself, so I had to use a catheter for a while, and that was Jeez. miserable. And I had a bunch of breathing tubes in. And uh, So how long were you in the hospital? Because I didn't know you at this point. I was maybe a week. Uh, two weeks, something, I don't really know. Uh, no more than two weeks. I don't think it was that long. It's crazy. Your mom, um, somebody had told me that, um, the, I think it was the police said they've never, ever had a pedestrian hit on that highway and survive, ever. It's because they never had a muscle man like me get hit before. Oh my god! Smothered in muscle. Oh my no, god. But on a real note. When on I a was, real note, you got praying parents and grandparents. That too, but <laughs> when I was that that age, I was doing a lot of parkour. Um, I was pulling. I had a lot of. Strength. Do not sit here and say that your no, six pack it, it, helped you from getting. It played a part. <laughs> it did. It had that. It did. I was. I, I was solid. So humble. It helped. So humble. It helped. I find a scientist. No. I'm telling you, that is, it's so crazy. It, it is seriously just the hand of God. I mean, I know we're joking. No, 100%. But we're, we're just joking. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as recovery goes, that happened. Um, once I got towards I can breathe at a certain point with the machine they had and I could walk on my own and use the bathroom, then they I finally got to the point that I could go home and where they took my spleen out, I had, I'd have to recount them. It's either, it's between 20 and 50 stapled, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I'd have to count them. But it was freshly stitched and stapled, and it was super sensitive, and it hurt to laugh. And um, they sent me home, and I remember maybe like day three of being home, we were hanging out at, my grandma's house, us and a couple family members, and somebody cracked a funny joke, and I thought it was hilarious, and I was dying laughing. I remember it pinched something, bro, and I couldn't stop laughing. And it hurt oh, so no. bad, and I couldn't stop laughing. I just started bawling. I'm like, it hurt so bad. Oh, no. Poor thing. I'm so glad I did not know you, because nervous Nelly me at that time, and... <laughs> dangerous you I would have had a heart attack I don't even like talking about this it's so unbelievable that you even survived that uh definitely like it it blows my mind I mean God is definitely that is we'll get into them but one of many times I mean even as a little kid there were a few close calls that you had oh plenty of close calls just snake bit like his mom always says oh yeah I'm accident prone Mm -hmm. and when there's Accidents are bad, but I always pull through by the skin of my teeth. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Because um, I would have been a lonely lady without you. Yeah. So, um, years later, I think, you talked to the guy, didn't you? Or his brother? His brother or cousin. It was his first cousin or brother. 
he I was working as a plumber doing some work on a, a football field and a rental guy was bringing a man lift and he was dropping it off and I knew the guy who was hitting me name his last name and the guy that was dropping it off I overheard him introducing himself to my boss and I heard the last name and I was like you know so and so and he was like yeah that's my first cousin I'm like well, I'm the guy he hit and he was like no way he's like bro I'm so glad to see you doing good he's like man my cousin was broke up over that I can't even imagine oh and backtrack they they wanted they wanted to go to a lawyer a lawyer's office just to see if there might have been money on the table or anything worth doing and I refuse to I refuse to incriminate somebody because I caused the accident. So I just went in the lawyer's office aggravated because it was my fault and I don't want this dude to press get man slaughter charges and stuff pressed. Yeah. So I took full blame and nothing he was looking at getting in a lot of trouble, and when they heard that I wasn't pressing any charges, I took the full blame. He just, he was A, racked up with nerves because he almost killed a little boy. Yeah. And now he's worried about manslaughter charges sure. for something that didn't even happen right. on his own doing. It was my fault. But he was, once I talked to the cousin, he was telling me that his cousin was super happy that I'm, I'm moving around, Doing I'm good, well. and uh, back to normal. I bet that, like, was unbelievable to even hear, and probably healed a little bit of, um, probably just carried it with him. I mean, how could you not carry that with you for so long? I wanted to ask you something you told me a few years ago when we were talking about this story. Um, you said that when you were on your bike, you were looking down, you were texting, you were, like, arguing with a girlfriend or something at the time. Yeah. Um, you said you felt like something almost pull you onto the highway. That's weird. I don't know what happened exactly. I just, I don't know. It's like, I call it being lightheaded, but I don't recall being lightheaded. I just remember going into the highway and looking up and seeing headlights. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know. The devil himself might have pushed you. That is so crazy to me. I don't know, but that should have been a marker on doing right and learning my lesson. But that was my intention when I got out of the hospital. That I I was and I did for a couple of weeks. And I went to a store in town and I had a nicotine addiction and I was craving tobacco. And I just, I knew I shouldn't. And I... I Chose not to, and I, I had a few opportunities, and I never took it, but I went into the store, and one of my friends was working behind the counter, and they knew I was underage, but after everything that happened with the truck and stuff, they didn't even, I, I asked them to get me a can of dip, and they gave me a can of dip, and then that started the spiral back into, back into what I was doing before. And you poor parents, I've heard them talk about this and um our pastors they actually saw your mom kind of running all over the highway trying to find your things just completely distraught your mom said it took a long time for her to even ride past that spot on the highway because she was just so traumatized at 
being a mom, I'm, I'm like, I can't even. I mean, I'm sure now that you're a dad, you probably feel the same. Oh, like, I can't even fathom. It's a whole nother filter. How scary, yeah. You I'm look just, at life through a whole nother filter when, when you you're a parent. Kids. You do. You look at everything you did, and you're like, oh, my word. Well, if I were, if my kid would have got hit by a truck, I, I don't know what I would do. I, I know. I would, I'd be freaking out, too. I don't know if I could go. I know. I'd have to wait and hear the news. They have a, a beautiful testimony with it of just got, just gave her. Uh, I, I don't think I've heard your dad too much about it, but, I mean, I, he's talked about it, but your mom specifically, we've talked in depth, and um, she says she just felt like just a supernatural strength come over her once she kind of collected herself. Um, because it was some long days for all of y'all. But I'm so thankful that you're here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> My life would be so different without you. I was 2010. That's crazy. Yeah. So we met in 2012. Two years later. Yeah, so that was kind of just um and i was from a city nearby but a different city and i don't even recall ever hearing that i never even heard about it that's a shame i had like 300 cords from other girls and you were one of them (laughs) okay i would have brought you the biggest cord and teddy bear i'm not you (laughs) no um seriously though i'm just so thankful um that god spared you that day and, um, you know, I think today is just a really good eye-opening discussion talking about um, choices and last-minute choices. Because, you know, even that man, he was in charge of y'all. Him having a few beer when he wasn't supposed to cost you a ride, which ultimately, not that it was his fault, but, you know, just... It led up to Yeah, that. just a, a number of choices that led up to that and the choice to even go in the beginning in the first place somewhere you didn't need to be and it just um it's so important it's so important, especially when you're young, to think ahead, think of what could possibly be there if I choose left instead of right, you know? And what's crazy is I've crossed that same highway many, many, many times actually drunk. And, and never yeah. had an issue. So and I weird. was dead sober and that happened. It, so strange. It is. It's like it was supposed to be a permanent turning point. But it just... Wasn't. I made it not. Well, you've had a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been turning points. But, um, well, I think that that will be it for this, today's episode. Um, stay tuned next week. We will talk about our first meeting (laughs) because it's actually um, two years after what we're talking about right now, but actually one year after that we met, but we didn't start dating until two years after. So stay tuned for that, that story and um, how we met and um, what that looked like. Yeah, what that looked like, but thank you for sharing today. No problem. See you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks.